Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. This is Montgomery County Today, and I'm Durley with the Public Information Office. Today's podcast is part of a series in which we feature a recording from a COVID-19 virtual town hall meeting. This meeting took place on June 3rd and focuses on K-12 education. Good evening, and welcome to the fifth installment in a series of six virtual town halls being presented by the New River Valley Public Health Task Force. We appreciate you welcoming us into your homes or wherever you may be viewing this event. We're joined again this week by Doug Williams, who is providing sign language interpretation services. Thank you, Doug, for your assistance with our series. You will learn as we move through our program, the New River Valley is blessed with leaders who care deeply about our communities and they truly work well together. As a result, our citizens should feel confident as we collectively navigate COVID-19 in the New River Valley. My name is Kevin Bird. I'm the executive director of the New River Valley Regional Commission, and I have the pleasure of serving as moderator for the virtual town hall series. The New River Valley Public Health Task Force I referenced earlier has been hard at work since early March, aligning resources and deploying strategies to support the public health needs of our region. Nearly four months ago, local law enforcement, fire and rescue organizations, hospital and public health officials, local government managers, local public information officers, education officials, and others began to develop and activate regional plans for the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, the New River Valley Public Health Task Force has been working through phase one mitigation, providing increasing levels of testing to all communities in the region and securing testing resources and protective equipment for frontline medical and public safety personnel. Each week since March, the task force has provided scalable drive-through test sites across the NRB with faster turnaround time for test results. The task force also prioritized clear and consistent messaging and an abundance of public information, a result of which is this six-week series of virtual interactive town halls with our fifth one tonight. Our series continues this week with the topic of K-12 education. The panel assembled this evening is composed of school district superintendents from across the region, and they're directly involved with the New River Valley's response to COVID-19. The questions the panel will be addressing were submitted by residents across the region prior to tonight's town hall. For more information about this series and to submit questions for future panels, please visit www.montva.com forward slash NRV town hall. You may also submit live questions via Twitter by using the hashtag NRV Stronger Together. We will answer them as we're able with time permitting. As I introduce each panelist, they'll provide a brief introductory statement. First up, we have Superintendent Robert Graham with Radford City Schools. Good evening, Kevin. Thank you all for uh, inviting us and, and doing this for our community. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I am Rob Graham. I'm superintendent here in Radford City Schools. I'm finishing my fifth year as superintendent in Radford City. Also a graduate uh, in Bobcat, lifelong Bobcat. I've uh, been uh, in Radford since 2006. Prior to that, I was in Pulaski, and prior to that, I spent uh, 13 years in Northern Virginia as an administrator and teacher, too. Um, I'm completing my 29th year 
in education and uh, love, love the profession and love being around the students. Thank you, Rob. Next, we have Superintendent Kevin Sears with Pulaski County Schools. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, my name is Kevin Sears. I'm the superintendent for Pulaski County Public Schools. I'm just finishing my fourth year. Prior to this, uh, I was a principal at Christiansburg High School and, and a superintendent in West Virginia before that and principal at Bland High School prior to that. And, and go back about 17 years, I was in the Army and served in Iraq uh, and uh, uh, was a social worker for a number of years before getting into education. So I have a, a varied career, uh, but I'm really enjoying my time here in Pulaski County. Great. Thank you very much. Next is Superintendent Mark Meyer with Montgomery County Schools. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, Mark Meyer, superintendent here in Montgomery County. This is my 28th year in public education. Um, I spent my first 20 years in Lynchburg City Schools. So I started as a teacher aide and then a teacher in several administrative positions. I was a principal at Heritage High School in Lynchburg as well. Um, prior to after that, was in Campbell County as director, assistant superintendent Winchester. And then um, this, I'm finishing uh, my four and a half year mark here in Montgomery County. Um, also, I served in the United States Marine Corps. Great. Thank you, Mark. Next to Superintendent John Wheeler with Floyd County Schools. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I'm finishing up my 30th year and uh, 32nd year in public education in Virginia. Uh, been uh, with Floyd County the last three years as superintendent and assistant superintendent prior to that. And before that, I was principal in Montgomery County at Blacksburg Middle School and uh, been in administration 16 years before I got into the central office and have most of those years have been in the New River Valley. And it's a very fortunate place where we are right now. And, and uh, we appreciate what you're doing as Rob said. Great, well, thank you. We have a very well tenured and experienced uh, group tonight on our panel. So thank each of you for joining us this evening and providing insight on the response to COVID-19 in the New River Valley. Our first series of questions this evening is front of mind for everyone with school-aged children and those who employ people with children in the school systems. So while we're awaiting guidance on final decisions of whether schools will be open in the fall, can each of you talk about how this decision might be made? Uh, Kevin, I'll, I'll start off with this. Um, this is without a doubt a collaborative effort, uh, even going before March 13th, when the governor uh, closed schools for the initial 10 days. Um, there's been task force at the state level with the Department of Education, the Virginia Department of Health, um, also with the um, governor and his team. And through this whole process, obviously the safety of, of the Commonwealth citizens uh, has been the uh, most important thing. And as we continue and move through it and uh, close schools um, for the remainder of the year, the task force um, then were expanded, a reopening task for force. Um, the VDH obviously uh, is aligned and with the governor's office with all these task force uh, working towards reopening the state. And as we all await the phases of reopening, you know, we heard some news Tuesday, um, and we'll continue to look for those. But once we uh, have some more information on the reopening, part of that will be the results of these task force 
and that will be guidance on reopening schools. So I, I know we have a press conference tomorrow, the governor does. Um, we'll see uh, if that information is shared at that point, and then we'll have some pretty strong guidance on where to go. But the uh, Department of Education, Dr. Lane, have done an excellent job. We're, we're talking with them, all superintendents, uh, one to two times a week on conference calls. Um, they reach out to us working on some of these task force, getting input, so they can understand our specific needs in our school divisions. Obviously, there's one big common need, and that's caring for every child and every family, uh, not only during this pandemic, but uh, every, every day of the year uh, for us. So they've done a great job of, of letting our voices be heard in that. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what, what the results of the task force will be and what the guidance will be. And I think one important thing, and they have the same mentality, this is just not a reopening, it's a recreation. We will definitely come out of this better in, in education and learning. And uh, a lot of that's driven by what you all uh, do a lot with the New River Valley and the job markets and what our kids need uh, and the social emotional needs of our kids. So this is going to be an exciting process. Obviously the most important thing that everybody wants to know is when, what, what date will be open. And, and all three of these gentlemen and myself and, and every superintendent wants to know the same thing. So. We'll wait to see when all these results are, are shared with us once the governor makes an announcement. And then um, we'll each, uh, we've all been working on plans with our own task force and we'll be ready to share with our communities. Anything else you all like to add to John's response there? I think it's important to know too that, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've are very close as a region. Um, Mark and John are in region six, Kevin and I are in region seven and, and you know, meeting with our superintendents and getting ideas from various divisions is, is extremely helpful. Uh, working with our, our uh, city leaders and uh, law enforcement, fire department, um, Dr. Bissell with the, the New River Valley Health Department, uh, really having their input and then also like John said, getting the input from our own task force, our reopening task force that we have with our school systems too. Um, that's been very valuable for, for me at least. I, I would think it is for them too. Sure. Well, Rob, you were just talking about working with some other agencies. Uh, could you all talk about your work with other local agencies in the health department as you all respond to the COVID-19 concerns? Well, I'll continue, but you know, we, the, uh, we've been very fortunate to establish here in Radford, they established a, a, um, a task force team uh, early on and it included the city manager, um, the, the health director, Dr. Bissell, the uh, fire chief, um, uh, some administrators throughout the city, myself. Uh, it was very, very productive and uh, started with how do, we, how do we take care of our community first? Uh, what do we do to meet the needs of so many people that are dealing with this, this uh, difficult and, and trying times? Uh, and now has moved to what, what does it look like now as we reopen Virginia? Uh, how do we move forward in, in making sure that our citizens still stay safe uh, and that we can start moving to looking at the reopening of schools? And as, as Dr. Wheeler said, 
uh, you know, we, we are getting great guidance on that, but just haven't been given a date. So, you know, we, we are, we ha we're blessed here in Rafford to have folks that are, that are really uh, care about our children and care about our school community. Uh, so we, we look forward to, to continuing to work with them as, as we get that, that guidance from the Virginia Department of Education, from the Department of Health, uh, from our, our local uh, leaders here and moving forward to trying to open in, in a safe and, and ben beneficial way. Yeah, I think that collaboration has been crucial at, at every step of this process from teachers collaborating with parents uh, and students through uh, social media and through Zoom meetings or, or uh, Google Classroom uh, type activities. And, uh, you know, with at school administrators collaborating with other administrators, sharing ideas. I don't know that any one of us could have got through this alone without sharing what works and what doesn't. And, and we've all just taken what everyone has had to offer and what everyone has contributed and ran with it. And, and, and I think proven throughout this, that, that education is, uh, is capable of change and, and change, uh, and can change quickly because the end of the school year looked nothing like the beginning of the school year with, with regard to how learning was going on, but learning still occurred at the end of the school year. I think I'll, I'll um, we went through the same process in Floyd where um, our, our town and county managers and emergency systems pulled everybody together multiple times, the uh, Virginia State Police, VDOT, and continued to look at uh, as this was unraveling. Uh, and, and as soon as this happened, we were doing that uh, on March 13th. And obviously in every, in every community, schools are the hub. And uh, you know, that's the safe place, that's the shelter, that's where food can come from. And that was the priority for all of us is to make sure that we can get food out to our families. And, and take care of them. So from that effort, it, it really became just a complete community effort. And uh, we're very fortunate and blessed too in, in Floyd that we had those people and, and cared so much for each other and the whole New River Valley is, is like that. Obviously, it, you know, from you all putting this on, it's evident that it's like that in our, in our region. So we're very fortunate to be in this place. So that leads into our next question. And what, what have you all, uh, seen some of the positives that the communities have done to support schools during this time. Yeah, I'll be glad to talk about that, uh, Kevin. Um, we have a, just an unbelievable community here in Montgomery County. Um, you know, of course, we have two of the largest towns uh, in the state of Virginia with Blacksburg and Christiansburg. And, and probably a, a, a tremendous example of, um, of community partnership happened this past Saturday when we had our uh, four high schools graduate. Um, we, we had a social distancing graduation where um, students and their parents were in cars. They drove up to the stage. They got out. They went and they received their diploma and, and then got back in their car. But it went really, really well. And it took a collaborative uh, effort. You know, the town of Christiansburg, um, they let us use their um, brand new stage, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, all, all um, the Montgomery County uh, Sheriff's Department, uh, Blacksburg Police Department, and 
Christian's Burke Police Department and Virginia Tech all um, provided law enforcement for us there to help direct traffic. Uh, Virginia Tech has been a tremendous partner for us. Uh, they allowed us to use the, um, it's called the cage parking lot. That's what it used to be called. Now it's called the duck pond parking lot. It is, it is a huge parking lot. Um, and uh, we were able, with their help, to direct um, 1,300 cars through the graduation on Saturday. It started at 8 o'clock in the morning and finished about uh, 8.30 on um, Saturday evening. So it was, it was a wonderful day, and it couldn't happen without the community coming together and helping us organize. And um, we, we really appreciate our community here in, in Montgomery County. We've had a similar level of support from folks uh, helping us prepare for graduation, but but even beyond that, you know, our efforts to, to feed our families, uh, our community just really stepped up and increased the, the backpack offerings and food bank offerings because so many families in the Pulaski County and the New River Valley are, are suffering through unemployment and, and uncertainty about the future. And it, it's been uh, uh, great to see so many people come together to try to, to help kids and, and to help families and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what the, the folks here have done in Pulaski County to make uh, our senior week that's coming up in two weeks a memorable experience for the class of 2020 because uh, those young men and women have missed out on so many uh, traditional uh, uh, rites of passages that, that we all have got to go through at that point in our life. And it's unfortunate, but hopefully with all the community activity and support that, that they're still going to have uh, good memories of this time and, uh, and what they were able to accomplish and, and able to do together to celebrate. I think Kevin, Kevin's exactly right. These are great memories and we're in public education, we're memory makers. And um, I think uh, we just had our graduation too uh, last weekend and it, it culminated in many events from adopt a senior from our staff, um, sending letters of encouragement and gifts to each one to yard signs and uh, our social media sites are, full of those pictures and uh, the one resounding um, message we got after graduation was never thought it could be this good and it was, it was that good because of the community effort and the support. And we brought 10 at a time, they walked across the stage, social distancing, they were the only one there and it was very personalized and drove through a, uh, from around the school, all the teachers with a lot of loud noisemakers. Uh, celebrating as they drove through and then uh, the parents arranged a parade uh, that afternoon through the town with all the seniors so and it was there were signs everywhere on all our businesses I there, there wasn't anybody that wasn't supportive of those seniors so they're going to be a special group the class of 2020 and in, in this country uh, there's no question and and in the New River Valley so it, it was very heartwarming and, and our high school staff did a great job and our whole F FCPS staff did a great job and um, just the community embracing those kids was very special. I've been touched by the way our, our community has handled this whole entire situation, uh, uh, especially uh, what they've done for our seniors. And I agree with, with Kevin, it, it has been having a, a senior child of my own. I've, I've seen the disappointment, I've seen the hurt. Um, I've, I've, seen, I've seen that you know face-to-face -face as a father and, and also as a superintendent. And, and to, to see the community come together and, and really support their needs through yard signs. Like John said, we had t-shirts that had their accomplishments on the back of it through the, as their tenure as a, a rapid high school student. And they had so many accomplishments, we had to cut the, the list off. So 
it was it was hard and the t-shirts were cute they had hashtag quarantine on them they had some toilet paper on them uh we have senior banners that are down west west main street in radford uh we we've you know have com uh, companies that, that are providing breakfast uh, for them before our graduation. And we've had businesses who are donating um, large sums of money to help us make sure that our, our graduation is going to be uh, professionally live stream, live stream. So just really, really been touched by, by everything that, that our community has done for this group of students who are, who are terrific. That's great. Um, what, uh, what steps have the schools taken to protect themselves, and the employees, and others right now? Well, I'll take this one, Kevin. I think, uh, we, we were a little different than, than uh, the other superintendents on here because we actually had spring break the week before uh, the two-week closure of schools. And so we, our last day was, um, I think it was, we were sitting around March 6th. It was the last day of, of spring break. Um, before the, the two-week shutdown, and, and we had had folks in, both students and staff, who were in California maybe, or had traveled to New York, or we had people that were on cruises, so we really were worried uh, about how we could protect our community with, with these folks coming back in, not knowing where, they, where they'd been or who they'd been associated with, so we were locally going to close anyway on that Friday, and it was ironic that about 30 minutes after we made the decision, the governor came out and, and um, made that two-week that two week announcement. And then after that two-week, made the mandatory school closure. So the priority for us was to um, get the buildings clean, to send our staff home, send students you know, home to, uh, everybody was working remotely except for two of us here in the central office. Uh, the buildings were um, sanitized, uh, all our buildings were sanitized. Uh, and then we focused on uh, organizing the food distribution. And, and luckily we were able to get food out to them. We, the, the governor made the announcement on Friday for the two weeks to start with. And by Monday, we were uh, making food deliveries uh, to the community with our buses. And we'd opened two sites at our elementary schools as well. So um, that, that is where we started. And, and now we've moved back to uh, getting our building administrators back into, into the schools. We, we have our entire school board office staff back here. Uh, but still, uh, every day we try to sanitize any type of uh, facility that has been used. Uh, we sanitize our buses after the bus deliveries and, and um, make sure that, that we're doing everything that we can following social distancing requirements to, to keep everybody safe. Yes, we uh, uh, suspected that a closure was coming, so we closed school on that Friday, and, and our teachers prepared uh, uh, remote learning packets for students enough to, to provide two weeks of, uh, of activities and, and, and remote learning opportunities. Uh, so we were able to send those out on the first day of the shutdown and, and we had everyone out delivering packets. We had school board members climbing mountains to help deliver packets to kids. It was a, a great community effort and, and people were volunteering to, to go to the other end of the county to drop off you know, one, one packet for a kindergarten student. It was just, it was heartening to see. So many people wanted to make sure students got that, uh, uh, the opportunity to continue their learning. And uh, that gave us a little breathing room. Having that ready to go on day one, we were able to, to go ahead and start practicing social distancing from the beginning and uh, allow people to work from home. We uh, 
all of our 11 and 12 month employees were on a, a scheduled rotation where they would come in one or two days a week and it would limit the number of people who were in any of our offices or any of our school buildings. Uh, you know, I was here just about every day, but uh, everyone else was on a, a rotation. And, uh, you know, people were able to accomplish quite a bit. It, uh, it, it made the, the, our jobs much more challenging there for a while, but, but by the end, before everyone returned to a regular schedule last week, we were clicking on all cylinders with the, the hybrid working from home and coming in one or two days a week. Yeah, it was very similar for us too. You know, once uh, we did have uh, a little bit of insight that this would be happening, just what, what was happening in, in the country and, and in our state. And so we, the turnaround was very quick to sanitize and to be able to get food out. And we did the same thing and, and the priority was the buses and our employees and, and find the best way and, and time to get food out uh, on our bus routes where we're rural. And, and uh, so we, we delivered them on uh, the morning bus routes, uh, four hours delayed, but we needed to uh, get all the cleaning products in, which fortunately we had to keep our buses sanitary, keep our employees safe. And then we went on um, a hybrid type schedule with social distancing and, and remote working from home uh, and continue to clean our buildings because initially it was a 10 days. So um, that was the priority. And as this continues to evolve, we continue to, to evolve with it to make sure that we have everything ready whenever the reopening happens. And the most important thing is, is the cleanliness and probably one of the biggest things we're all looking for is that CDC guidance. Um, what are the stipulations under which we can open and what do we have to adhere to? And that's gonna have the impact on what our instructional environment is gonna look like. So once we hear all that, that's, that's gonna have a bearing on the recreation of what we're, what we're gonna look like. But I, I can tell you, it's gonna, it's gonna look better and be better once we get once we get back into it. And uh, that's the exciting thing. I'll say our um, operations department did an absolutely amazing job getting ready for this um, shutdown. Of course, we didn't know it was gonna come so soon, but we started preparing at the end of February and um, they had the forethought to, to um, order, uh, I think 1,100 gallons of hand sanitizer. <laughs> we had 25,000 mask um, and so that day one we were delivering food our bus drivers were actually driving the buses we kept our um, aides employed um, and they were on the bus delivering and handing out the meals to the students and um, they did an absolutely amazing job our cafeteria workers and, and preparing um, and none of this would have been able to be possible without the preparation and um, planning for the safety of our employees. And, and that, that took a lot of work from our folks, but they, they did an absolutely wonderful job. And, um, you know, by the end of the, our, our last day of school, we delivered 365,000 meals, 365,000 meals to our community. And so I'm uh, just real proud of our folks and what they've done to um, step up to the plate and, and uh, take care of our kids and, and our families. Can you all talk about the significant logistical challenges that you all were confronted with with that decision to close schools i imagine that there's curriculum that has to be addressed you know in a short order 
Um, I know some of you all did some surveying of families to find out about access to the internet. Can you talk about that window of time and what that felt like and some of the things that you all were going through? Well, I, I tell you, that window of time started on March 13th, and uh, it went through all day March 14th and 15th and, and 16th. And we we're very fortunate because obviously there was a lot of moving parts to this, but the priority was feeding our, our families. Um, the priority was keeping our, our, uh, our staff safe and continue to, uh, continuing to pay everyone, which we were able to do. Um, we're very fortunate. We have Citizens Telephone who supplies our internet. And right now we're up to 97% of our homes. Um, our technology director and, and the team at Citizens worked very closely. We were, we were working with individual homes, making sure. And, at, and we have all Chromebooks in three through 12. So once all of those got uh, Chromebooks and um, our instructional team and our principals did a great job of, of helping the teachers organize and the teachers were fabulous in getting materials there. So most of this was remote learning with, um, with a, some new material. But as we move forward, you know, we'll be in a much better infrastructure to continue some of this good work. But it moved very fast, and, and it's probably a big discussion in, mo in all of our regions around the state about Internet access and equality to materials and services. And it really gets down just like we're in school. It's the individualized needs of students. So whether we're doing it remotely, we're looking at individualized needs of students and, and we're fortunate to have citizens. They, they, uh, they showed our graduation lab all day long. So, uh, and uh, they did so many things, but the biggest thing they're doing is, is reaching out to homes uh, with us. And so we're, we're well on the way, but that, those first 48 hours uh, were, were very, very, um, had to be very organized and a lot of logistics going on. And the same as we're doing now, we're waiting for the next announcement. Yeah, I think we were, we were well planned, but I think we're a little, a little lucky as well. Um, is, is we did not know, obviously, that we were going to shut down on, on March 13th or the governor was going to shut us down. And ironically, we had sent out a survey on March 11th trying to get a, a, a feel of how many kids had internet access in the county. And then on March 12th, that morning, we had faculty meetings with every um, school uh, to, to let the teachers know this is what it was, is going to look like if we do have to shut down. And, and then, of course, March 13th at about 2.20 in the afternoon, we got the news and, and our, our high school was dismissed at 2.50. So uh, we delayed dismissal for about 30 minutes. And, um, you know, it was a surprise and shock to, to many. And, um, you know, I asked my own daughter, you know, as, as a Blacksburg Middle School student, how did it go in school that day? She says we were all in shock and then it was utter chaos. And so I thought that was an interesting way of describing it. But, um, you know, but I, by Monday we were serving meals. By Wednesday, uh, teachers were getting work out to kids. We've been really fortunate as well in Montgomery County, our board of supervisors and school board who have, um, have supplied us with the technology that we need. We have uh, one-to-one -one devices from third to 12th grade. 
and we use the Google, um, Google Classroom platform, and it's, it's worked really well for us. Of course, we've had some challenges, too, with students who do not have access to the Internet. And, um, you know, what we, a couple of years ago, we had invested in uh, MAFI units uh, so kids could actually check them out of the library and take them home to access the Internet. And, um, and, and of course, we still didn't have enough. Um, and so what we've done to prepare for the reopening is we've actually um, ordered another, uh, I think, 300 MIFI devices for this coming year, hoping that we can supply the Internet to every kid that needs it if we have to um, use a remote um, system of learning when we reopen. Yes, I think accessibility was probably the largest challenge that, that we faced uh, in trying to provide a continuity of learning. We have... Uh, about a third of our students do not have internet access or had insufficient internet access to be able to go on and, and watch the educational videos that were sent to them. So we, we had to, to create a, a, a number of, of paper packets to send out to those students who didn't have that access and then work out the details for parents to be able to drop that work off, uh, you know, utilizing social distancing measures. So we put drop boxes at each school and then once materials were dropped off, they were left alone for three days before anyone would go through them and, and, and start beginning to uh, provide feedback to students about the work that was turned in. So it, it took a lot of thought and it took a lot of collaboration between, between teachers and schools and administrators and parents. But uh, you know, I'm very proud with what we were able to accomplish in Pulaski County with, with virtually no notice and, and uh, uh, really uh, a lack of resources and accessibility uh, to, to the internet. I was too, Kevin, really, really proud of our staff and just amazing how, how they did with their, we, we had the continuity of learning just like everybody. It was based on a, a it was all remote, uh, similar to what Mark said, uh, through, through um, a platform of, of online learning. And uh, we also established a continuity of work where uh, all of our staff would input what they did throughout the day. And we lastly finished off with a continuity of athletics, too, where our coaches uh, would put out workouts for our students to, uh, that they had access to if they were a student athlete, and they could go and, and do their certain workouts. So very, very pleased with that. And the, but the thing that really was, was I think, just wonderful is, is again, we, we focused on the, the health, safety, and well-being of our community and the contacts that our teachers made with our students, uh, calling them daily to start off with, and then uh, you know, twice, three times a week, and then uh, a week just to check on them and to make sure that they're okay is, is, is something that makes our school division so special. I've heard just wonderful things from, from the community in Radford about how, how great that, that it was that they could keep in contact with their, with their teacher and, and um, that they were checking on them to make sure that they were safe. I'd just like to add one thing about public education and what it does. I've talked to multiple parents and probably my favorite story um, is, is the essence of what we do every day when all the children, all the students come in. Uh, they said they thought it was going great for their kids, uh, had multiple kids. I've, I've heard this multiple times. Um, they thought it was going great, but as soon as that Zoom meeting took place, as soon as that child sat in front and saw all their classmates and said, holy cow, their, their face lit up. They, they were totally changed. They needed that interaction, that social emotional need that that's one of the things that we developed throughout and in public education, just not Floyd. So getting back is very important. Getting our kids back with, 
with our great teachers and, and building those relationships is very important. And, and uh, they need it, whether they know it or not, whether they're 18 years old or whether they're five years old, uh, it's a very important piece. So we're all looking forward to getting back to that. Somewhat of a nuanced follow-up here. <clears throat> Question that we received is, yeah, how will you all work to ensure that you're meeting the needs of all the students during the remote learning period? And any lessons that you all have learned in the remote learning that you would take into next year or, or other adaptations? Yeah, we, I'd say we've, we've learned a lot of the lessons um, through this process. And, and, um, and there are things that we will change as we move into this school year. You know, one of our biggest concerns uh, with the online platform uh, was meeting the needs of our kids with special, um, our special needs kids. And, and that was a challenge. It really was a challenge. Um, our students um, have specific uh, uh, needs and, and disabilities that, that must be met in order for them to learn. And, um, and, and that has been challenging. Our teachers have done a great job. They've done the best job they can in the in circumstances that have been presented to them. Uh, they're keeping contact with their students. Um, they have uh, continued to build those relationships, as John mentioned, that are so, so important. And um, we'll, we'll, we're looking at some different things as we're moving into next year. Um, you know, we're not sure how it's going to look, but we, we, we do understand that we need to, um, to, to do some different things for our kids with disabilities uh, in order for them to be successful um, with uh, new, new academic material. And that's one thing that we did do. We, we did present new, new material at the end of the year. And uh, that was sort of an option uh, as the state presented to us. Uh, and we did present new material. Um, you know, our kids, our kids were successful. Um, but uh, not like if they had been sitting in front of the teacher in the classroom. Kevin, we were able to, uh, to assign a, a our, our special education team was wonderful. They uh, um, kept their caseload and then they were able to assign a paraprofessional to each of our, each of our special education children. So they were served almost daily, uh, whether it's via an email or a phone call or even, even a, um, um, a Zoom or a Google Meets, a Google Classroom. Uh, so, so we felt like that we really did a nice job with that. One of the things that we did struggle with a little bit is, is you know, maintaining eligibilities and, and IEPs and 504 meetings and things like that. Uh, we really didn't know uh, how a virtual eligibility meeting or an IEP meeting or a 504 meeting would go, but strictly because of the confidentiality issues. But uh, have worked through that and, and are starting those or have, have been having those eligibility meetings at IEP meetings and they seem to be going very, very well and, and successful. So uh, we will continue to do that, um, you know, until we are able to get back into the schools. Yeah, I believe that, you know, as we plan to move forward, we all recognize that, that there were many deficits in, in the type of education we provided at the end of the year. And when we plan to, to, to bridge those deficits for next year, I think our special ed students have to be a priority. We have to come up with uh, solid plans to help them uh, uh, fill in the gaps from, from March 13th till uh, the end of May this year, and, and as well as all of our students. But we really have to have a laser focus on the, the students with disabilities to make sure that we are uh, developing uh, individualized education plans that, that will help meet their needs as we do uh, on a regular basis, but also to help uh, back up and, and, and teach them skills that may not have been taught because of the shutdown. And we're, 
we're very similar to that. We, um, we had many Zoom meetings, our director of special education, all our special education teachers, and even those students that, that we knew needed some individualized uh, attention, we reached out and that started March 16th. And even with some of the services that we contract out with, they did a great job of uh, doing, uh, still serving those children remotely and working with those families. And the biggest part is working with the families and, and the adults in the house with that. And that continued and that was, that was daily. And that, that team was busy all day long with Zoom meetings, getting together, forming plans, individual plans for every child on how to reach them and how to continue the services and see what they need. Um, so that you, we did, we learned a lot too, but we, we also know the essence is, is you, you meet the child where they are and you work with those individual child uh, children and we're, we wanna provide those resources. And I think that's the biggest thing is knowing those resources and, and uh, being ready if this happens or if you go remotely or if that child's not there for a while, that's what the good thing's gonna come out of this. You know, services, and learning will be able to be continued uh, in a seamless way. So that, that's gonna benefit many children many, many years to come. Well, I think we can all appreciate as superintendents, your first focus is on education, but outside looking in during this pandemic, it appears the roles of our school systems have changed somewhat. Can you all speak to the shift in roles to support your community needs? Yes, I think we, you know, we all transitioned from uh, uh, educational institutions to uh, large-scale meals on wheels in a matter of a weekend. And, and like Mark addressed earlier, you know, we, we served about 110, 115,000 meals from between uh, uh, March 13th and the end of May. And that's continuing on through the summer. It, the, the type of program that we have has changed uh, for summer feeding, but we are still going to be uh, providing, uh, you know, 10 meals a week to any student who wants it during the summer. You know, I, I'm not sure as sure as, uh, you know, the, the question was, was asked uh, a shift in the roles to support community needs. You know, I'd say we do that every day anyway, even when kids are in school, um, we're, we're meeting the needs of our community. Um, the, the difference now is kids are not showing up at the building every day. And, you know, um, our, our staff continue to meet the same needs of the kids as if they were showing up. Our, our guidance counselors did an absolutely wonderful job at, at taking care of the mental health needs of our students. Um, you know, we, um, you know, we have uh, community services that are involved in our school buildings that we're still looking out for the mental health needs of our students as well. Um, our uh, teachers are looking out for the academic needs just looked a little differently than, than it has, uh, you know, up until now. And so I, I still, I, I look at us as a, at all public schools as, uh, as a, an institution that supports community needs all the time. So it's just, it looked a little different. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with Mark. I, I don't think much changed from that standpoint. Um, you know, we, we still want to provide uh, food when we're closed for the winter. We still want to be able to provide shelter. Um, the one thing with this is it was for over an extended time that none of us have experienced before, obviously not having gone through a pandemic at this level. But, you know, one of the things is we want to continue to equip our building and make the changes, not only for the kids everyday experience, but also for the community to be able to have shelter, to have food, 
to feed everybody in Floyd County if we have to, um, and and continue to serve. And and I think one of the things, you know, along with that and the safety of our staff, and, and Mark hit it there, the priority in the mental health is, is to continue work with these groups and these homes and get into the homes. And honestly, that goes hand in hand with feeding at this at this point in public education and in in education in general, those two go home, go hand in hand. The mental health is definitely an area that that is very important, and and um, we have to be we're aware of it. And when shifts happen like this, that is a bigger priority as feeding for us. And we're fortunate in New River Valley to have some really good services uh, available to us. And I'll make a plug for them now. I hope the state and federal government funds them a lot more than they have been uh, because these agencies, these community agencies are, are invaluable to our homes, not only to our schools, but our homes. And uh, they need as much support funding um, as any organization that the state legislature funds. So hopefully th that'll continue to increase and increase quickly over the next few years as a result of this pandemic. Well, I had a professor in, in college, you know, in an administrative leadership um, program that said, uh, it, in order to make positive change with people, you're going to have to uh, have them see you as a significant other. And I think one of the changes that we are, our, our folks do an outstanding job of building relationships you know, one of the most difficult things during this time is, is the unknown. And, and even when you do know, things change the next day. And our, our folks here in Rapid City have done a super job of, of keeping in contact, of building those relationships, make, making sure that that's a priority for us uh, so that when things do change, that we, we are flexible and, and we can, like Kevin said, can, can overcome and move forward. And, in the right direction to to make sure we are making a positive difference in the lives of our children. What information do you all want families to be keeping in mind through the summer months as they prepare for the fall? I would think that, you know, we can establish some, some means of communication about uh, our plans moving forward but uh, also, you know, go ahead and accept now that the beginning of the next school year will not be a traditional start to the school year. No matter what phase we're in or what plan the governor releases tomorrow, the, the classroom environment will look very differently in August and September of 2020 than it looked in, in uh, September of uh, 2019. And, and the delivery of uh, educational services will, has likely changed forever. Uh, you know, I see uh, us moving toward uh, more blended instruction, using uh, technology more and more frequently to, to help uh, uh, move students further along in their education. I, I really think that this is a game changer for what public education is going to look like. Uh, we will do our best to, to get input from every stakeholder that, that, uh, that we work with in public schools and try to develop plans that, that best meet the needs uh, of all of our students. Uh, but it will not look like education has looked uh, prior to March of 2020. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with Kevin. I think families need to understand, you know, they, the most important thing is stay engaged with your children uh, right now and through the summer. 
you know, we're, we're opening up some um, summer experience in July, and we'll wait and see exactly what that's going to look like, especially for younger children. But just continue to stay engaged with them. They, they need that. Um, that's what was missing uh, for them, not being in classrooms. And, and that there will be, it will be improved. Like Dr. Sears said, it, it's, going to, uh, it's going to look different but it, it's going to be adaptable for them and we're going to work with all the families to make sure it's adaptable to them once we know the guidelines that we have to adhere by but but you know one of the things that uh, we put out a quote on our social media uh, social media early on that stressed stressed adults can't teach stressed children and it it got it got thousands and tens of thousands of hits and and, uh, you know, the education is going to happen. We're going to understand at what level, whether it's the curriculum that they missed, the social emotional development, and we're going to be able to put in uh, a plan into effect with those teachers that we're going to be able to look and see what we need to do to, to recover, to, to um, advance where they need to be as soon as we do start. So this is not just going to open the doors and come back in and like a normal opening, whatever it ends up being. It's going to be a different relationship. It's going to be a different experience when they come in this year. And it's going to be picked up from what we know they were missing. Uh, and that involves the social, emotional, and the cognitive level, and it involves the curriculum too. So it, you know, we'll all go through this uh, together in these next few weeks, hopefully when the governor's plan is released, we'll be communicating to our families just like all these gentlemen do and, and uh, the superintendents do a great job of collaborating and, and sharing their communications. And so, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be plenty of information hopefully coming out in the next few weeks once we get direction. I'd just like to say to our, to thank you, Kevin, to, to everybody that this, you know, this, this is very stressful very uh, a lot of a lot of anxiety that comes with COVID-19 and and you know as far as, as our community they, they and, and staff and and uh, everybody here in Rapid City has just handled it very very well and and I, I'm just real proud of, of how it's gone despite the the challenges and difficulties that we have uh, also would like to say there, there's nothing more than I, I would like than to have children back in our schools um, the part of the job that I like the most is going into the buildings. And now when I go into the buildings, there's nobody there. I go into the buildings to, to clean or to, to, to uh, distribute food. And you just don't have the interactions with the students that, that, uh, that, that you used to when they were there. So they, you know, the community, I hope they know that we want them back badly, but we also want to be safe and we want to make sure that they're safe. And, and we want to bring them back into a culture and environment that is welcoming and, and warming and, and, full of, of excitement and energy and enthusiasm. Um, and we, we want to do that, uh, but we want to do it safely. Uh, so I would ask our community to continue to be positive, to continue to be flexible, uh, continue to be willing to, to you know, hear us and, and wait on us for the guidance that we need to receive in order to make the plans that we'll put together in order to make our, our children safe when they, they do come back. But, but a huge thank you to everybody for for making difficult times uh, manageable. We have a few minutes left here and a couple more questions I'd like to get responses from this group on and um, not only return to school, but 
And what does it look like for athletics or other extracurricular activities in the fall? Any, any ideas on what we can anticipate there? Just like, just like us, you know, I think the Virginia High School League is waiting on uh, guidance from the governor. And depending on what phase we're in, will likely dictate what activities, what types of activities can take place. I will say from a, a concern of mine is that if Virginia doesn't move to, to allow some activities to occur, a lot of our counties that are close to states that have opened up, like West Virginia started this week, or no, I'm sorry, Tennessee started this week, West Virginia starts next week, allowing uh, some summer conditioning type programs and, and things going on with social distancing measure measures. I, I am afraid that that could have an impact on our enrollment um, for, for any county that's in close proximity to a neighboring state that has opened up. And, and, uh, and so that is something we'll have to take into consideration when, we, when we're planning for next year. That's uh, um, Kevin, I'm, I'm fortunate enough, I'm on the Virginia High School League Executive Committee. And um, we're, we're meeting over the next few weeks to have some discussions as to what things will look like. However, um, you, you know, one thing that has been emphasized is first, Virginia High School League will do what's, what's best for the safety and well-being of the student athletes, regardless. And, um, and like Kevin uh, said, it, it, would, it will be in line with what the governor is proposing in terms of the phases. Um, however, um, even if you look at phase three, there's going to be social distancing that's going to be required. And so um, what's been discussed at the Virginia High School League is there's is a very good like, likelihood there will not be fall sports. Uh, however, uh, the, the league is looking at some alternatives. Um, you know, one, one alternative that has been talked about is the possibility even of, um, of starting um, sports in January where you play all – all three seasons between January and um, June, for instance, uh, uh, January, January and February would be winter sports. Uh, March, April would be fall sports, traditionally fall sports, and then May and June, possibly spring sports. So they're looking at alternatives to try to get all the seasons in. It's not going to look like it, like it has been, um, but um, you know, the league will do the best that it can. Uh, and adhere to the safety and well-being of the, of the um, athletes. Very good. Well, how do you all anticipate communicating about the return to school? So we're all waiting for some advisement from the governor, and then what? We are, are in the process of forming uh, uh, our task force to look at the, the various uh, options that we may be uh, reopening school under. And we have stakeholders representing you know, people from the community, parents, students, teachers from uh, all three levels of education. And, uh, and part of the, their task will be to develop the communication plan. How do we get the word out? How do we receive feedback from the stakeholders who are not part of these task force? And, uh, and, and we are ready to roll that out uh, uh, as soon as the governor releases his plan and, and we can fill in a few blanks that we still have on on what we need to work through on our task force. That's the same for us. You know, we, we have to wait to see what, what, the, what the plan is, what part of the phases uh, uh, has reopening of school, what the CDC guidelines, what are the guidelines of that that is going to restrict some of our normal activities, um, whether it's classroom size 
whether it's preventative measures as far as temperatures, taking temperatures and, and different things like that. So um, we're ready for communication. We, we have it ready to go. And, and like uh, Dr. Sears said, once we get some more guidance on it, and um, we'll be communicating to all the families and the whole community about what it looks like. It's just not the families. You know, schools are, are the, are, are the uh, fabric of the community too. So we're gonna get this out uh, in every way possible. And, and the more we know, the better we'll be able to uh, make the plan clear. And so hopefully we'll find out more this week about what that is. You know, we have two of our, we have two committees, an elementary and a secondary committee that's working on the return to school. And um, we, we wanna hear from our community. We wanna hear from our families, our students. Um, all stakeholders that are involved in this, and, and if um, anyone has any input that they would like to um, to give, they can email me. Uh, we actually have set up a special email address uh, for um, residents of Montgomery County, and it's uh, mcpstweets at uh, mcps.org. So feel free to email me or that email address if you have any thoughts about reopening a school. We're very similar with that too, and I, I think we're lucky too, Kevin, because uh, you know sometimes social media can get, get can be hard to teach when you have social media in a classroom but luckily we have some social media now where once we have our plans we can we can certainly send that out we have uh we we are we are our, our, our data platform is power school and, and we use message sender to uh to get our messages out to our to our folks i think that's similar to what everybody else has on here too and so we've been communicating with our with our folks lately with a weekly power announcement on Thursday so we'll continue to do that and once we get uh, once we get a, a plan together that and we know more uh, we'll send that out uh, through the power announcement and also through all of our social media outlets okay very good um, well if someone has a concern about school operations in their community who should they be contacting they, they can uh, they can call me directly um, you know, at, at the school board office with any concerns or they can email uh, or any, any way they want to get in touch with me. And, um, you know, we, we look, it's the same thing with the input that we're doing. And the more detailed information we will get, the more details we can give out and the better input we'll get. So uh, this is going to be a continual process over the next week to two weeks once we know. So once, once more information's out, you know, please feel free, you know, in Floyd County to contact me and, and uh, contact our, our, uh, any of our um, staff at the school board office. And, um, and we'll, we'll continue to build this thing and get to a point where we can get these kids back in school. Again, feel free to contact me. Um, you know, email me at any, any time and um, I definitely will respond. Great. So yeah, I, I think that's the case in every school division. It, it, it would it's easier to start with the superintendent's office, and if we can't answer the question, and usually we can't, but we do know who to connect you to who can answer the question. Right. Well, we covered a lot of ground tonight. Is there anything else that the panel would like to address before we wrap up? I'd like to thank you for um, um, for hosting us in, in this town hall. I think it's um, been very informative and um, I, I think it you know, definitely shows that you know, we have several great uh, school divisions in this area who care deeply about our students and, um, and, and we truly do. So 
I'd, I'd like to thank Doug too. I've been sitting here watching him uh, throughout our, our, our time together and he's just absolutely amazing. He's, he's uh, you know, I can, I can kind of tell what, what he's talking about uh, through his demonstrative, um, demonstrative, demonstrative use of his hands and things. Yeah, we, we all greatly appreciate it. And uh, New River Valley is a great place to be, like I said before. And, uh, you know, continue and continue to strengthen it. And, uh, and uh, it's, it is the, the appreciations there, Kevin, for your group. So, Yes, thank you for hosting this. And, you know, personally, I've always believed that, that making life better for kids is the only work worth doing. And I think that is something that we do very well here in the New River Valley. And it's good to be in a place where we have so much community support and so much interest in, in how we educate our kids and making sure that everyone is successful. And, and Kevin, lastly, I'd like to thank our, all our colleagues. We're so lucky that, that uh, we all get along and, uh, you know, we count on each other and, and not just the, the four of us, Terry Arbogast, you know, those in the New River Valley, those in Region 6, Region 7. It's so nice to have that support, and, and we're really lucky. Great. Well, thank each one of you. The community has done an excellent job submitting thoughtful questions, which spurred great conversation among our panelists this evening. And I'd also like to express my appreciation for the leadership the superintendents deliver across the region on a daily basis. We all recognize how schools function has a direct impact on our local economy and the long-term educational impact you make on students every day, so thank you. As we look to the future, the Public Health Task Force is creating the playbook for everyone in the New River Valley to navigate the next phase, recovery. The series of virtual town halls is your opportunity to continue that conversation. We invite you to join us next Wednesday at 6 p.m. If you're not able to watch live, the series will be archived on YouTube. Links will also be posted to agency websites and social media. The series will also be rebroadcast on local access cable stations, including Comcast and Chintel Channel 190 for Christiansburg and Montgomery County, along with Comcast Channel 2 in Blacksburg. A summary of tonight's town hall will be available online at montva.com forward slash NRV town hall. Our final remaining topic for the six week series is next Wednesday, June 10th with education focusing on colleges and universities. And before we wrap up this evening, I'd like to extend a special thank you to those behind the scenes who are making the virtual town hall series possible. And they're the public information officers who serve local governments, agencies and higher education institutions in the region. This program certainly would not be possible without their contributions. So thank you and be well. That concludes the recording of this virtual town hall meeting. We hope you found it informative and will share it with others in our community. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you'd like to stay up to date on these meetings and other happenings in Montgomery County. If you have questions about COVID-19 recovery efforts in our area and would like to submit a question, visit montva.com slash nrvtownhall.